1: Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Five dieting tips from Bigfoot, and Bad Boy gives you his dating advice in today's episode. And today, we're going to be talking about fact or fiction. Or the weekly world news. Take your pick. <laughs> but basically, we're going to be talking about how things that are not real become reality or become perceived reality.
2: Oh.
1: Um. See, this is one of the things that everyone needs to remember and understand. The world around us is not real. And no, I'm not going to give the Morpheus speech from The Matrix. <laughs> but the truth is, I could. And maybe that's one of the reasons why The Matrix became such a popular and thoughtful movie is because the world around us, everything around you right now, is a human construct of one form or another. Or was shaped with human hands or human ideas, right? The, the only thing that's natural is like trees, although those have often been shaped by humans. Okay, we'll go with rocks. Rocks and the air <laughs> and the water, that's, okay, that's been shaped by humans a little bit too. But in its base form, just go with me here, all right? The point is, is that reality is shaped. The reality that we humans think we exist in is mostly the result of a giant collection of ideas that everyone has agreed upon. Like the fact that something is money, the fact that 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 thing is called a gun, the fact that 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 thing is a fork over there. Those are all things that humans have collectively agreed upon is true. And this is why in some other language that thing is called not a fork, but maybe cha in Chinese, for example. Um, And that's okay. You know that's simply what they call that thing, but they have the same idea basically in their heads. But again, it's a human construct, right? There is no, there are no natural forks out in the world. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? That we so, know of. Dun dun dun. That's true. There might be a giant fork tree out there that we're not aware of. That is entirely possible, but is highly unlikely. So because of that, our because we, our world is made up of um, ideas. You can change those ideas. You can play with them, much like Neo plays with the Matrix. I think there's going to be a lot of Matrix references in this episode, (laughs) but whatever, it doesn't matter. The key point is this, is if our world is basically consisting of things that humans have collectively agreed upon, what happens when humans collectively agree on stuff that, A, isn't real or stuff that is incredibly stupid? (laughs) I've been reading my notes. (laughs) And what happens when you know those things that are not real start to influence you know how people really behave and act and do things um i'm going to use the kind of er example or one of the more recent examples that many of you are probably familiar with uh, which would of course be the slenderman which was something that was created as a kind of uh creepy pasta internet meme thing that was absolutely 100% created you know for those of you who are not familiar with it what basically happened is is that on this one form on the internet, they started to create pictures of this demonic entity called the Slender Man, who's this like really tall dark being, and they would Photoshop it into different pictures with people in the background. Basically, you know, these were Slender Man sightings. Basically, some you know had been sty- uh, that that had accidentally caught the image of the Slender Man, who of course wasn't real, and everyone agreed upon it. But the problem is, as those pictures went out into the ether, out into the internet void, people started to think, oh, you know is that real and then other people start to sell it as real and it slowly took on a life of its own and it reached the point sadly enough where two girls took one of their classmates out to the woods i believe it was in wisconsin but somewhere around middle america there and killed her as a sacrifice to the slender man Mm -hmm. okay these were two slightly maladjusted um middle school girls but Anyway, that's what they did. They went out and made a sacrifice to the Slender Man, who they saw as an actual demonic being or supernatural being that would, I guess, give them powers or whatever, like a favor. I don't know. Kill their teacher. I have no idea. (laughs) The point is, is that they. Who understands young girls? Pardon? Who understands young girls, anyway? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) They're into that Sailor Moon crap. Anyway, so um, the point is, is that, you know, things that start not real and are clearly labeled this is not real can very often be shaped and reshaped and repurposed by the internet into things that are quote unquote real and what happens when enough people start to believe in these things and so we thought we'd talk about that today the process by which something goes from being complete bs made up to something that collectively humanity has somehow decided you know that could be real that that might be a real thing which is, of course, where a lot of urban legends, lore, and other things come from. Yeah. So, Don, what are the different types or categories of these things? I know you have a list somewhere there. Let's hear about it. (laughs) Okay, yeah, because, again, people have probably figured out this is a tricky
0: thing to talk about because it's another one of those things. We've got four categories of this sort of occurrence, and there's a great deal of overlap. We're kind of looking at how these things start with mm-hmm. uh, with these categories. So, just to, to get right into it, you've already mentioned uh, we were calling creepy pasta, mm-hmm. which which are things that are just they're made up. They're entirely made up. There's no pretext of it being real. Uh, the Slender Man is an example. It started on the Something Awful website. Yes, in like it did. Two, yes, mm-hmm. and thanks. It, in like 2009,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I have seen. Other than like not just the two girls, I've seen references to it in other things where people are claiming that, no, this is actually a thing and it's disinformation that they're calling it, blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. really, we can trace this to an origin. It was part of a contest. It was not meant to be considered real. Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing up, I guess, from that would be a hoax. Mm -hmm. And a hoax is basically something that's made up but intended to be taken as real. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing up from that I think would be a legend Yep, and that would be like a legend, an old wives tale it's one of those stories that it's been around for a while nobody knows where it started really uh, there's probably no solid proof of it but people assume it's really a thing anyway um, the best example of, of of something of a legend I can come up with would be a Richard Gere R- Richard Gere Richard Gere is a legend but I thought that dude was real oh my god Don he he is but his incident of gerbiling there is no proof of and there's no proof that gerbiling was ever a thing oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I I, yeah I know that's uh, there's a collective sigh of relief around the internet and probably just a couple one or two disappointed
1: voices but whatever um, I'm sure gerbiling is probably really a thing I I i it, I, I have no doubts in uh, my absolute <laughs> faith in humanity's depravity and determination to basically <laughs> have sex with everything around them and and in some and yeah I, I I don't know
0: we well we, we should probably explain what we're getting at and mm-hmm. uh basically what this was and and it's a, it's The blatant example, a lot of things that relate to celebrities are, but supposedly Richard Gere, in his quest for sexual gratification, stuffed a gerbil up his ass because they freak out when they die, and apparently that's really, like, exciting. I I know it is for the gerbil, but suppose... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's mind-blowing for the gerbil. (laughs) Supposedly for the, 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 the other participant it is, too. And this became a story. It, it kind of comes around um, just after the movie Pretty Woman when he was popular, mm-hmm. and it takes off. That's this story. There's no proof that this ever happened. There's no proof that this ever happened to anybody ever. But people just kind of assume it's true. It's it's again mm-hmm. it's it's that legend. There's no proof of it. Right. When people assume it's really it it was it was really a thing, and it's hard to call it a hoax. Because we don't know who originated it, so we don't know if their intent was to pass the story or if somebody is being a
1: smartass or some guy at work told a joke. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Then people just kept passing it along. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the last category would be, uh, and this is where you'll see things kind of can bump up and down the, the categories, but the last one would be like uh, what we're calling a moral panic or a mass delusion. And that's when a lot of people believe that something is absolutely real, and typically it
1: it spurs them to some kind of action. Yes, yeah, we're talking about the type of mass delusion where, for example, um, what would I can think of tons of examples. There's a, oh, oh, the Jersey Devil. I, I, the Jersey Devil would probably be an example of that, but um, but where what happened is is that they believe this creature was flying around Mossman's probably the same thing they believe this creature was flying around in new jersey back like a hundred or so years ago and that people claim they saw footprints of it and they saw it on the rooftops and again there's no proof that this ever actually happened and but people were like hiding in their homes there were armed guards going around and you know police squads and you know vigilante gangs all this stuff was hunting for this thing that of course no one ever found it and it never actually attacked anyone. And there was no proof of this thing ever existing, but people all thought it was real. So there we go. What's another example, Don? Uh, A good example I can think
0: of that's, that's timely and pertinent is if you believe that Tom Hanks is going to come in the night and eat your children. Oh, there's that too. Yes. Yeah. That that's a, a mass panic for significant portions of the populace because they genuinely believe
1: that and it spurs them to action. I think a better one would be the that the COVID vaccine is basically a implanting microchips in you to allow them to control you. Well, of course, that's
0: how Tom Hanks gets your kids. Oh, oh right, right. Yeah, Sorry, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, never mind. Uh, I, I wish that was a joke. But but and and you're right, and it's that idea that it becomes a mass panic because it's not I'm not gonna say there's no proof, but it's not really demonstrable. Hmm. But people freak out. I've 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 got quite a few because this is sort of thing the whole satanic panic of the 80s. Yep. Is yep. It's it's a bunch of these mass panics that all kind of come in together at the same time. Yep. Yep. It's the Avengers of mass panics. Yeah. Um another another mass panic that
1: most people are probably really aware of was the uh, Salem witch trials. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And that's another one that again you know people a couple girls claimed that uh, they were possessed by witches or something like that and you know and they named some uh, woman that they didn't like basically and then they were asked "Well, are there other witches and they started naming other women they didn't like in the village and (laughs) things kind of went downhill from there man teenage girls are the worst they really are (laughs) They really, are. well, the, the truth. Kids are the worst. Like the the truth is, kids are little, little monsters. Sorry, I, feel, I I I I I'm a teacher, but the kids are little monsters. They can be You're, sometimes, anyway. Especially your teacher, uh, especially young teens. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, look, and it, it's the sort of
0: thing. Um, how and why these things proliferate. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different different reasons. Um, the Salem witch trials is a good example because apparently. And this, ha- this was like uh, 1692 to 1693 mm-hmm. at this ha- Salem, Massachusetts. Apparently, one of the mitigating factors of the witch trials that you don't hear about is that you had all of these families living in the town of Salem that hated each other. Yes. And that's what they say because these, 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 these young girls blamed uh, three women mm-hmm. in town. This is how it started. It was uh, Sarah Good, uh, Sarah Osborne... And uh, Tichiba, who was a uh, who was who was like a like a servant slave of mm-hmm. one of the families, and those are the girl, the, these young girls they blamed for for this, and then it takes off because I think it was Sarah Good, mm-hmm. um, was kind of like the the local like crazy cat lady, right? So people already she made them nervous; they didn't like her. So yeah, she's a witch. That's okay. And I think it was a uh, Sarah Osborne, mm-hmm. or one or the other that her family was actually feuding with the family of one of these young girls yes and that girl's family used this as an opportunity to to kind of kind of push the attack on her and then when that took off uh there's a lot of evidence that other people the reason you had so many people that were there was like 200 accusations Mm -hmm. during that time and the reason there was so many is that All of these people, all these different families in this little area hated each other. And they would all just jump on board like anybody they didn't like. Ah, Bob, I hate his mule. His mule makes too much noise in the morning when he starts up.
1: Obviously, it's because he's a witch. I remember reading actually somewhere that also this happened during, uh, I believe there was kind of like a cold spell as well. So they actually hadn't had good crops in a while. So there was actually some issues with um, starvation and there were some other like basically these people were under pressure yeah. from uh, the local natives from starvation, from the environment, etc and it was just kind of a pressure cooker basically and so yeah. what was really happening is these people I've heard were turning on each other, partly again, settling old scores, doing many different things, but this is why it spread outside of Salem as well is because mm-hmm. in the colonies, yeah they their lives kind of sucked. And so they were all, they had all this pent up pressure and anxiety and this is kind of how it manifested. And yeah. this is also why many people think it's not one of the reasons why, it, even though it did spread to Europe a tiny bit, it didn't really go very far. Like it it pretty much burnt itself out very quickly in Europe, whereas in America, it actually lasted for a little while. Yeah, and y- that's one of the reasons why is because the Americans were in a slightly different uh, mental and actually physical situation than the europeans were yeah because europe had just gone through this like uh like a, i think like 50 years or so beforehand there, it, there's been multiple you know witch panics you know they yeah. happened over the years yeah it's true
0: but they 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 had just europe had just gotten over a bigger ones, so that was kind of why uh i think in europe the attitude is well, we've already dealt with our witches screw them colony types
1: yeah yeah i think there there was <laughs> definitely some of that because um, the, there was also talk, getting to what you
0: said about the, uh, the winter net, um, there's also some thought that part of it might've happened from a fungus. Oh, okay. That's, oh shoot. Some of their crops may oh. have been infected and that made people a little funny in the head. Cause it started with two girls having I forget their names, having convulsions.
1: Yes. And they had, you know, they had marks on their faces and everything like that. And they were basically having kind of like, yeah, almost like seizures and then yeah. they said well why do you have these seizures and it's like oh it was because this woman came to me i saw her in my dream or something like that sarah good or whatever yeah, yeah. and so and that, that that's and who knows maybe that was partly caused by uh, the 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 fungus it's entirely possible yeah or or at the very least it it exacerbated things yeah so they had they were basically kind of a real pressure cooker situation it really was and so basically if you want to imagine them imagine like your typical zombie movie you know the group of people that are trapped in the house the mall or whatever with the zombies outside yeah that's what salem basically was and they're just turning on each other it's like no you got bitten no you were bitten (laughs) i saw you
0: yes it's that or um if you picture uh if you're in in the U.S., Thanksgiving dinner with your family, 2021, it's that same <laughs> idea basically.
1: Uh, Everybody's yeah, on yeah. edge.
0: They already hate each other. You think those other people across the table are nuts to begin with. Whichever side of any issue you're on, that it, it that's how,
1: yeah, it's basically that. Everybody's just ready to blow. Everybody's ready to blow, and so actually, I think 2021 is actually a very good example of this because I think some of the social movements we've seen in the last. 2021, 2020, have actually been because of the pressure, the social pressure of an anxiety about COVID-19. I think we've kind of gone through a giant societal version of that, where this is one of the reasons why in North America, there's been like record numbers of protests and things. And I'm not just talking about vaccine passports. We've had Black Lives Matter. We've had um, a number of other you know protests. These happened before. Like, what made, this, what made it different this time? And one of the reasons, I believe, is that people have all this anxiety and pressure, you know, in their, and they're worried and everything. And this was a way to kind of take control of their lives. You know, people feel in control when they're, like, seizing, uh, see, they're focused on something. They have something to focus their anger on. It gives them a feeling and sense of control. And yeah. in the case of the witch trials, I think the same kind of thing was happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, plus, too, I mean, the, the COVID thing's a good example because if you've been locked in your house for a year and a half, I mean, burning down the White House is just a good excuse to get out,
1: see the folks, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think, actually, yeah, that's another good example. The whole um, March, you know, January 6th march on Washington at the beginning of uh, 2021, I think some of that was actually the result of COVID as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it, 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 I think, just like you say, it, it's it's... One of the reasons that you get uh, conspiracy theories, which I think are a specific type of this, mm-hmm. is because it's an attempt to try to regain control against the world that you see has just steamroller over you. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why a lot of, say, outcasts and that get into conspiracies or cults. And mm-hmm. it's also kind of a way to feel, like, magical and special, because you know things that the sheeple don't. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, especially add that pressure of um you know, like the the the, the, the COVID hitting mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that comes out of that. I mean that's why when you look at um a lot of arguments I'll say for and against measures for it, there isn't really an argument. It's it's cause Okay, that's that that that's fantastic, but that's yep. not any any kind of of explanation. Right, you know we should do this. Why? Because because of because, and people don't bother learning the reasons behind things mm-hmm. because it's not really about what you're claiming the issue is. It's it's like you say it's getting that control. It's yep getting that sense of of being somebody not just in control of my life but i count because i'm
1: not falling for this thing that everybody else is exactly yep yep i'm one of the people that knows what's going on yep i'm in control Mm -hmm. and you want to feel that sense of control and so yeah no no when the world you know people will grab all all kinds of things even toilet paper when they (laughs) feel that the world is going out of control yeah Yeah, and and again, that's a great example because
0: everybody freaked out. Uh, Toilet paper and Lysol, I remember there was like a mad rush, even Uh though there was no reason for it. There was absolutely none. And the thing that I used to kind of laugh at is I remember going to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and all of the Lysol was gone. The shelves where the Lysol was on were empty, but all of the other disinfectants, uh, full shelves. (laughs) It's crazy. and it was, and it was because again, people were told Lysol's going. Oh my God! I better get it. it. It'll be like Superman number one. It'll be worth money on eBay. Uh huh. And yeah. it's that's it's it's that same idea too. That getting to how you started the show, the idea of mass delusions. I can also remember at that point you would hear them the, the the news because again, the news, no matter which news it is, is all about getting you scared so you watch talking mm-hmm. about. There's rampant shortages. Look at these empty shelves. And you'll look at a picture of empty shelves, but to either side of it, the shelves are full of other stuff. And you're like, Shh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, and people, I'm going to say fell for it. They convinced themselves. Cause again, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that idea of proliferation. It's, it's, if there's a disaster, that's not really a disaster, you can kind of subliminally convince yourself that you can quote unquote, win. Yeah, yeah. And then that makes you special and awesome. And You're not going to win a real disaster. Yeah, and that's why people Sorry. fall for this. Oh, it's, it's true. It's, it's yep. the same. I always say if, if, if you've got like relatives who are like survivalist types mm-hmm. and they start talking about, you better start hoarding gold for when society collapses. These people are idiots. What the hell use is gold going to be if society collapses? There's no economic system. Uh, gold will be as valuable as paper bills like it's it has no intrinsic value it has industrial value but a society collapses we can't capitalize on that
1: yeah well you know but in the old days people used gold for trading right gold silver copper you know just like in just like in token right back in the old days
0: (laughs) well they did and again it was part of a society if that society Mm -hmm. is gone there's no monetary system if 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 you go back to the Middle Ages, people didn't use gold for trade because, first off, you didn't have any, and secondly, if if you were a serf, you had no use for any kind of currency. That's true. You dealt strictly in in product, and if we went back to that kind of serfdom, again, it's useless. But it's part of that 1980s post-apocalypse Mad Max fantasy that you can convince yourself that you will quote unquote win mm. because you are smarter than the sheeple, and that's why you hoarded gold and blah 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 that's one of the reasons why these things take off the way they do and i think that's one of the reasons why if you look at a lot of moral panics as they go on they start getting increasingly cartoony
1: yeah yeah i can see that they get did get sillier and sillier yeah i they almost become parodies of themselves in the end I, just because they come so extreme
0: yeah and they do because they have
1: to because
0: if they start catching on, you're not special for being part of it. You need to always be the one that that's advancing it. Like in 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 a lot of ways, and this even goes back to the to the olden days. I remember getting pamphlets and that in the seventies. Mm-hmm. If you're like, say, a conspiracy theory type, once your group gets big enough, they split off. Because again, if too many people believe it, it doesn't look like you're special for believing it. And when you split off, mm-hmm. you have to come up with something even bigger mm-hmm. to show that you've you're the one that maintains that special insight. Yes, that makes sense. So it's it's not enough to know that a secret organization of pedophiles sends Tom Hanks to kidnap children for the reptilians. When that becomes mainstream you have to believe that JFK Jr is going to rise from the dead and anoint the ex-president as emperor.
1: Even though nothing in that sentence makes any sense at all and all of it is real because there are people that really believe that supposedly, anyway.
0: There's a few. There, it's it's not as prolific as as some, but there 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 were a couple of hundred people waiting for this more than once. And it's that idea that there's no real evidence. It's not demonstrable that this is going to happen in any capacity. Like, mm-hmm. but it's that idea that you can kind of convince yourself of it because then you stay special. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, that's one of the reasons that cognitive dissonance comes into play. That idea of um, cognitive dissonance being the little lies we tell ourselves to get through our day. Yep. Um, It comes into play, and that's a big thing that supports a lot of things. So that's why if somebody gets an idea in their head, Mm -hmm. even if it's totally wacky. No, Elf was a real alien that they made do the TV show or they'd kill him. The last episode, that was a documentary. Oh man, that's
1: and, so deep.
0: And and if somebody you know believes that, you'll never convince them otherwise because cognitive dissonance, in essence, the crazier the idea, the easier it is to hang on to.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: And again, that's how these things proliferate. And that's why... Something like the Slender Man, once it starts that slide into quote unquote reality, you're never going to convince people who believe in it that it was made up. Even if you show them mm-hmm. the actual original articles on the site from where it was made up, that's just its information. You're part of it.
1: Exactly. Or Tom Hanks. Yeah. Or... Um, so we should probably look more at some of the other categories as well, besides moral panics and mass solutions. Let's look at some more examples and and then I think we can also talk about why these things happen, although that may come up along the way. And also what do we what do we do about them? Like how are we, you know it, or is there anything we can do about them? Is just is just a fact of the human condition. Yeah, we're screwed. We're done. Like that's oh, there's well, no hope. Here, dude, you're ruining the you're ruining the hook. I'm trying to set something up here. Okay. <laughs> um so yeah okay. Well we'll t- we'll talk more about that after. So let's go back through then. Through your list. So let's uh I guess we'll work our way down. So okay, legends. Um so you begin some other good examples of legends. I've got a couple. There's there's kind of um,
0: there's kind of two in particular that, that are kind of close to my heart, I guess we'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big one that some people might know of that counts as a
1: legend would be uh, Paula's Dead. Paula's Dead. That's vaguely familiar, but I don't know it offhand. What what is it? Back in the late seven
0: uh, correction, late 60s. I'm looking up my notes here to see if I can get actual dates and such. But mm-hmm. back in the late 60s, the idea was that Paul McCartney died, or was murdered, and the rest of the Beatles replaced him. And the okay.
3: Paul
0: Ma- yep. it He died on uh, the 9th of November, 1966, and he was replaced by either William Campbell or Billy Shears. Billy Shears being a character that's referenced in the uh Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club band.
1: Okay. Song.
0: And that was that was the idea. This became a story and even today there are still kind of adherence to it. It's just there's not that many people who remember the Beatles and they kind of know Paul McCartney maybe. So
1: that's right. why I th- I think it's not pop. But yeah, that was that was a big thing for a bit. That's interesting. Now that takes us that's gives us a window on of course the 60s. So during the '60s and that, so how did these you know rumors and how did these uh, legends spread back at that point in time? like how, how and why do you think that those things spread during the '60s? Well, this is what happens It was um, the story kind of takes off in in
0: September of 69 mm-hmm. uh, A guy named Tim Harper published an article about it in the uh, Drake uh, uh, see if I can pronounce it the Drake Times uh, Delphic which was like it was it was like a like a newsletter kind of thing
1: right yeah zines existed back then where people would basically have these small press newsletters that they passed passed around between people or in like who are like-minded groups you could think of it those of you who are a little younger you can kind of think of it as almost like a blog but they were done on paper yeah
0: and and that's that's these, these were pretty prevalent that comes out It puts the story out there. It becomes sort of like um, what the hip kids on campus are talking about. Mm -hmm. It gets traction in, it was the, uh, here it is, 12th of October. Mm -hmm. Uh, Russ Gibb was a a radio host in Detroit for Mm WKNR-FM. And this guy phoned in during his show to discuss this poem, And he had all kinds of quote-unquote evidence about Uh that. And that was when that sort of took off, Mm -hmm. was at that point. I kind of remember it when I was a little kid, for a little bit, the Beatles were the only music I listened to. I I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading about this. It would have been around 75, 76, and freaking out that they killed Paul McCartney. By that time, it had pretty much died off. I was reading like old magazines and stuff. Right, right. But, you know, a five-year-old doesn't know any better. Cut me some slack, damn it
1: you were 5 you should you should be able to handle it dude
0: <laughs> but it but again it was that idea and then that's how it takes off because it sort of it it starts as a curiosity mm-hmm. and uh at that time the 60s the 70s the Windsor Detroit area radio and music scene was pretty big like we talked mm-hmm. about that how the only reason we have heavy metal music is essentially because of Windsor was it i don't remember that Yeah, cklw okay CKLW was a big station back in the seventies and they broadcast around like a, like, it was like a third of the continent. They had this huge, cause again, beginning of the seventies, AM radio was still a thing. FM was just kind of starting to, to pick mm-hmm. up. Right. And CKLW was pretty influential. And what it was is, um, they were always looking for something to play. And Alice Cooper came out with, uh, I'm 18. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't getting any play anywhere, it was kind of popular, and the program director at CKLW, her son, uh, last name Turnbull, I don't remember their first names, mm-hmm. but her son had gotten an Alice Cooper album, because he, he played in Detroit, and the Windsor-Detroit area has always had, like, a huge, vibrant music
1: scene going oh, on. yes, yeah, yeah, Motown. Yeah,
0: that's that's just one
1: example, there was yeah, so Yeah, yeah, I know, there's many of them, yeah, that's just one, yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so he had gotten this album. He liked the song, and he he played it, and she heard it and thought, well, "I guess people would like that." Put it on, and it mm-hmm. became a mega hit, right? And once this weird, because that was like Alice Cooper's like weird, creepy day, that took off. People were kind of more interested. More of those kind of um, what at the time would have been called rock acts start taking off, mm-hmm. and that's where you sort of get the uh, the proto metal guys come out of that like um alice cooper's one right around that time uh you get seen kiss start to proliferate and Mm -hmm. kiss comes out of the glam rock thing but they wanted more of that dark edge and that's something that you see like a lot of the hair metal guys and and even some of like your your earlier like like death metal guys appropriate
1: right yeah yeah
0: like king diamond is just basically kiss with edge Mm mm-hmm and at some point, some fifty-year-old like rocker wants to punch me in the junk for saying that, but <laughs> but it it all comes out of that development, and then that's how these things proliferate. So if if a Detroit DJ is talking about it, it would have gotten more play than mm-hmm. than you would think nowadays. It it would have got, and then it, like I said, it took off, and then for a few years there was this whole big debate, and uh, you would find secret messages and songs and pictures, and again, a lot of it was really dumb. Yeah. Uh the one I remember is the op- officially pronounced dead patch. Really that if you look at the Sergeant Pepper's album, mm-hmm. when you open it up cuz it, it 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 had a a fold out a uh, fold out cover. Mm-hmm. they're all wearing their sergeant peppers outfits paul is standing backwards there's a patch on his one arm that looks like it's op something and they said well that's an officially pronounced dead patch it like in war when you die they'd like put that on you and first off that's really stupid because who has the time and wants to spend the resources yeah. on that and number two it's an opp patch right ontario provincial police actually didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. There's a bunch. He's standing backwards, which had some... If you look at Abbey Road, they're all walking mm-hmm. across the... Paul is barefoot, because that's how, like, you bury people in England, barefoot. Right. Lines in, in the songs,
1: you know. The walkers Okay, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm getting this. And you know what's So something that maybe some of our younger members might not quite realize, um, because, you know, the internet's been around for a little bit at this point, is that you got to remember that you're access to information like let's say that you did or did not believe that paul was dead okay let's say you're your young uh, your young don's like older cousin and you're like oh i'm not sure whether that's real or not how are you going to research it there's no social media for you to actually go on and ask other people like that um you could go look at magazines and newspapers and see what they said um, you could go to the library and look for books or something, I guess, on it. You can't call up Paul McCartney and ask, well, he's not real anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he's just gonna lie to you, right? So <laughs> you've got to understand you that. Billy Shears. To, exactly. Prior to the internet, we lived in kind of an information isolation situation. Like we did have access to a lot of information about the world around us. But when you get to weird and obscure stuff like this, it's much harder to disprove or disprove things. Now it also meant that these ideas could spread much more slowly and it took a lot more inertia in that for these things to get out there. Yeah. But once they were out there, they're actually also harder to disprove. Yep. That's that's the flip side of it, right? It took a lot of effort to you had to get Detroit DJs, the newspapers, and many people to talk about this, but once it reached critical mass, it was out there and it's really, really there's no snopes, right? There's no places for people to go on and say, is this real or or like a quorum or something? And other people to say, no, I'm an authority. I'm a university professor who studies musicology. And I can officially tell you that Paul McCartney did not die in like 1967. Right. You didn't have that option back then. So this stuff generally just kind of stayed out there until it kind of just naturally died on its own. Yeah. And there might be some articles in popular magazines that were about this thing. Magazines were kind of one of the ways that a lot of this information spread or was bunk- debunked later on. There might be an article where someone said, no, 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 here are reasons why that's all BS. All right. And they lay that out. But you got to remember, delayed printing and everything. So it could be months or even years before that debunking article actually reaches the audience. Yeah. And and by then, usually they, they'd move on. like Yeah,
0: yeah um, usually they didn't care anymore. Yeah, th- this stuff wasn't also as in-your-face as everything is every second of the day nowadays. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, if I was concerned about Paul McCartney having been replaced, I kind of sort of had to make effort to find more info on that. Yep. It's not like nowadays where if, um, if I want to find out about how Tom Hanks is eating your children... I, I don't have to look for that. It it ends up somewhere on the internet. I'm going to go somewhere that a pop-up is going to discuss, discuss that. And whether I, I want to see it or not, it's
1: everywhere all the time in your face. Yep, pretty much. Yep, pretty much. I mean, yep. back in the day, I guess, again, you could seek out experts. Uh, in the case of this one, say, I guess you could go down to the owners of your local music stores. Because remember, there were actual music stores back then. Quite a few of them, in fact. Record shops. And you could, you know, they were probably more knowledgeable than your average person. You could ask, is Paul really dead? What, what do you think? And they <laughs> would tell you. Um, so that was, there, there were, in theory, quasi-experts that did exist in the community. But again, you had to make the effort to seek them out. And you couldn't just do it sitting on your, you know, butt at home. You had to actively go out and find these people.
0: Yeah, and sometimes that would backfire. Because there was also True. another another legend that went around was that... Um... When the Beatles broke up in
2: 1970,
0: mm-hmm. uh one of these legends it 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 wasn't a huge one, but it did it, it make sense was that the band Claw 2 was mm-hmm. actually the Beatles recording under a different name for, for whatever reason. Oh, okay. And Claw 2 is like a 1970s like Canadian folk rock band. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And the weird part about that is they sound nothing like the Beatles
1: yeah some of these things are just like but there's that doesn't make sense from any angle but okay sure just go with it i guess as as i recall that ended up being like uh
0: i think that was a high school kid Mm -hmm. that did a gag article for like the school paper and then it got proliferated through like the rock shops and that of the time because ah and that's where i say that the the experts were sometimes a detriment as well because of 'Cause yeah, once they got an idea, and it's like today, once they get an idea in their head, yep, it stays there. And if you're an expert in something and you're wrong about your own field, it can cognitive dissonance can be even worse because it's that much harder for you to admit that you're 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 wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, like i if, if I'm wrong about who won like the nineteen oh eight um you know, World Series I have no investment in that. I don't like sports ball. I, I don't claim to be a history expert. If you prove me wrong, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and not care. But if I'm like a baseball historian, mm-hmm. that might be something that, you know,
1: if you've disproven my pet theory, that might be something that's harder for me to deal with. Well, um, and you also got other issues. If you set yourself up as an expert, well, if you're wrong about that, what else are you wrong about? Yep. And if that's your livelihood, you certainly don't want that kind of idea getting around. Well, this is very, very true, which is why if uh, any of you have ever been a student and you've uh, made a note about, wait, professor, that's not right, or something like that, if you've been, you know, or actually even high school teachers to deal with this too, not just university and college professors. Yeah, if your teacher absolutely refuses to accept that, no, they were wrong, sometimes you were right. They just, they, they just, they were so worried about losing face that they actually were willing to double down and die on that hill. <laughs>
0: Or it's just they couldn't wrap their head around a student being right because all teachers secretly hate all their students anyway. There's that, too. There is definitely that, too. Uh, Although, uh, if I can do a little bit of a segue sure. here. Sure, go ahead. You kind of hit on something that affects my second favorite legend. Okay. And it's the idea that when you go back, because information could be kind of uh, sparse. Mm-hmm. It got easy to lose track of things. Right. And the example I'm going to bring up about that is the Thunderbird picture. Oh, interesting choice. Okay, sure, go. Yeah. uh, Anybody who doesn't know, Mm -hmm. supposedly there's a picture from the Old West times of a bunch of cowboys that killed a pterodactyl, like a Mm -hmm. real-life pterodactyl, and... There was a picture that a lot of people, myself included, have claimed to have seen of this thing hanging on a wall with them posing around it, eh? Me with too. the rifles. And nobody's found that picture. I've 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 gone through like all of my old books. I've mm-hmm. gone to the library and taken out older books in the paranormal, because I used to take shitloads of those out when I was a kid. hmm I found two pictures that are if you put the pictures together, they're basically what I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. And yet everybody remembers the picture. It's described remarkably similarly by by people. And and even a lot of the the, the fake ones, the attempted reconstructions and the outright hoaxes mm-hmm. are pretty darn close. Right. And what I've always wondered if maybe this picture, because mm-hmm. the picture, it's basically just our generation
1: that start. there's no reference to it really beforehand. Well, that's because it? don't most people claim it's from a Time Life book series about the paranormal? Isn't that, that that's the number one? That's where I think I. you know, If you were to ask me where I "quote unquote" saw it, my sister had those Time Life books about the paranormal, and I'd swear that was in there. Yeah, that's that's one of the things cited, and and again, I'm wondering if
0: what what we have because getting to that idea of, of information being few and far between, hmm. if what people are remembering wasn't an actual photograph of of from the old timey west but it was like a reconstruction right or a publicity shot for something or, or something like that and that's why everybody did see this picture nobody can find it because everybody's looking in the totally wrong spot because we think it was like a factual thing that we saw in a book that purports to study the the factual side of the paranormal when mm. really if if we were looking for like sci-fi b-movies of the
1: 1970s that's where we would find this picture right yeah yeah yep uh, i'll make a point of uh, posting a link to it because there's all kinds of quote-unquote reconstructions of it and um all kinds of things supposedly connected with this thing Mm-hmm. um it's also connected with, oh, what's the phenomenon where they believe that w- that something is shifted to another reality, that we're remembering something from a reality, that re- the timeline has changed or something like that. There, There's the Mandela effect. That's it. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. But the Mandela effect is an interesting
0: thing too because people use it in two totally different ways.
1: Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Maybe yeah, reality but... changed on me. Okay, what is it? <laughs> the Mandela effect, it's the
0: idea that um, it comes from, from, from uh, shoot, it was a, a discussion somewhere mm-hmm. about the death of Nelson Mandela, who, as I believe is right. this recording, is still alive. But people are convinced that they saw his funeral and it was a big news thing. Mm-hmm. It's used to refer either to the idea of what we're talking about here, which maybe that's what we should have called the episode, Oh my God,
1: that's probably the, that's probably the actual term, yeah. but
0: whatever. Yeah, but that but that idea of misremembered things becoming "quote unquote" fact because so many people misremember it, mm-hmm. and it's also used by uh, people in the paranormal research as to what you're getting at—that the Mandela effect is that you've actually shifted a universe and you're remembering the old universe that you were from, mm-hmm. and that's why the facts are different. But that one could also be schizophrenia. You got to be careful with these things. More likely, yes. But it's it's gener- It's used in those two ways. That if you mm-hmm. see like, um, depending on what website you see it referenced, they're referring to one of those two things. Right.
1: As noted, the Thunderbird is often cited that. Um, there's also oh, what is it? There's actually a children's book series that's cited with that too. Is it not Richard Scarry's books? Oh my God, I'm trying to remember which one it is. That there's actually a children's book that everyone thinks, that everyone remembers, but it doesn't actually exist. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, Wait, mm, wait, wait, wait. I'll look it up. We we can edit some of this after. Um, Okay. I I don't, I I can think of other
0: examples, because there's a lot of like, say, quotes that people remember wrong.
1: Right. No, that, yeah, that happens all the time.
0: Yeah, like, for example, Luke, I am your father. Darth Vader never says that. That's not the line.
1: Oh, what does he actually say? I'm trying to remember. Uh because I've heard yeah. that so many times. I know. Yeah. I I know that it's. You're right. It's. It's not. It's something to the effect of. Um. He, does, he says. That, he says like something. I like. I am your father, isn't he? No. No. It's. 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 It's more or less the same
0: thing. It's the search of feelings. You know. It's true. Right. I forget exactly what it was. one that I do remember was the uh, Casablanca one. Okay, what's the Casablanca one? That member that was that was Rick. Play it again, Sam. That's not the line. Yeah, that's true.
1: The uh, actual that, line was,
0: "You played it for her. You can play it for me."
1: Yep, and it's the same way. I believe the phrase "Beam me up, Scotty" is never actually said in the original Star Trek series. Yep, there, yeah, That's true. That's when. By the way, I remember what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the Berenstein Bears. Oh yeah, where many people. Remember the Berenstein Bears because Berenstein can be spelled B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N or B-E-R-E-S-T-A-I-N. There's Berenstein and Berenstein Bears, mm. and some people actually remember the spelling being one way, and some people remember the spelling being the other way.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now I. Yeah. I. I, I don't remember that because as a kid, I remember being spelled with an e. I don't yes, remember the. I
1: remember with the e too, but. I, but some people claim that there's a that, that it was spelled with an A and you know two realities back or something like that. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just the same as another example. Some people remember um, Curious, Curious George is having a tail, but he didn't. Oh, okay. So that's another one. Um, uh, Febreze. Okay, people remember there being. Let's see. People think it's Febreze, Febreze, are with two E's B-R-E-E-Z, and but it's actually F-E-B-R-E-Z-E. Mm-hmm. So people remember there's there's a whole bunch of them. Right. Um so and so about these these weird Mandela effect examples where people misremember things all the time. And that goes in with an idea that. I think I read somewhere where they think that people don't really remember things. They remember the key ideas and their brain fills in the details.
2: Have yeah. you ever
1: heard that before. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, uh, oh, there's a few things that that ties it. Cause that ties into source amnesia and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is one of the reasons. So it's very easy since our brain is filling in details for us to get the details wrong. Super easy. In fact, mm-hmm. um, that goes back to the, Actually, one of my uh, podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis because I find him very entertaining is Penn Sunday School. And I don't know if we ever talked about this in the air. Maybe we did, actually. Um, this is a good example of memory. So Penn is uh, Penn Pen, who is one of the world's most famous magicians. Um, he's literally the second richest magician on, on the planet, so I think we can safely say he's <laughs> one of the world's most famous magicians. Um, he works with his partner, Keller. All right? Now, the important part here is that Penn and Teller, both of them, keep journals. They're both avid journalers. Now, they don't keep one journal, they each keep their own separate journals, right? And they've been doing it for decades. And Penn often talks about this. This has popped up many times on the show. He'll often talk about how he will remember an event, something, an event that happened where he was there, Teller was there, something happened and he'll tell it and then he'll think was that right and he'll go back and he'll actually check day time he'll check his journal and he'll read the entry in his journal and discover he had it wrong mm-hmm. okay he's screwed up the details but here's the thing he'll sometimes ask teller about it teller will remember will, will also say no i remember it differently teller will go back and check teller's journal and teller will also have it wrong but completely different than pen <laughs> So there are actually four different versions of what happened at that point in time. There's There's what their brains have developed to think happened. There's what really happened. And there's what happened from their different perspectives. (laughs) That's how messed up human memory is. Like that's, I, I, I find that fascinating. It's one of the things that makes me wish I actually did more journaling. Actually, I've tried it a couple of times, never worked out for me. I'm too lazy, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> but the key point is that just to that have that information to be able to go back and say, what did I do on that day? Or what you know, what happened? And because obviously I'm misremembering a ton of things because I'm human. Yeah, there's there's a I forget the
0: the the scientific name for it, but they discover what happens with the human brain is every time you remember something, mm-hmm. you overwrite the memory. Yes. Yeah. And that's why if you start misremembering something, it becomes ingrained because you you start the, the 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 misremembered memory will start overwriting the actual memory.
1: Yeah, yeah. That yep, absolutely. And so you're you just end up with this constant revise and update. Basically, we're all revising history constantly. Yeah, we're revising yeah. our own history constantly. We're re- rewriting it based on our modern perceptions of our, of our self and reality and everything else. Yeah. Because that the world exists in your head. Going back to the idea that the world is, is a collective delusion, basically. Yeah. There are some ostensibly objective realities. Yes, there
0: are. But even those can end up getting fudged. So if you think you can fly... Mm-hmm. And I throw your ass off an eight-story building and you squish to the ground below, mm-hmm. even though you believe you can fly, objectively I can demonstrate that you can't. Although if you're truly delusional, you may, on the way down, convince yourself that you are. That's true. So okay. even yep. even an
1: objective de- demonstration mm-hmm. can have no effect. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Uh, potentially maybe as you're dying you will because remember dreams we don't know how long dreams take they may take milliseconds you may mm-hmm. dream an entire reality as you're dying or on the way down that is actually not reality and then that ends and okay that's that. That's how my life worked out <laughs> but then but right. in actual fact that was just a couple seconds as you were about to die before you hit the ground or just shortly after right that's where things get really messed up well that's where you're playing Roy playing roy from uh, roy batty you mean no from rick and morty oh right right yes that's right you're playing roy from rick and morty okay i I get what you're talking about yeah the the video Uh, game it's a video game where you play an average guy basically and it just gets plugged into your head and you experience his life yeah because runs a couple minutes but you've actually gone through a whole human being's life
0: yeah because morty gets stuck in it and doesn't realize and then he pops out and he's like but i had a whole other life
1: i was married and had children And, of course, that's actually a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. Oh, yeah. That happens to Picard. Yeah. It's called The Inner Light. But in that case, what was actually going on was, is that this species that had died basically created this simulation of what it was like to live as one of them. And anyone who touched this crystal or whatever basically experienced a whole lifetime as one of these people. Mm-hmm. It was the it culture's way of passing its culture on by literally turning whoever encountered this crystal into a member of their culture, basically. Yeah. Or giving them yeah. the memories of it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, T- Jar Trek did it twice. There's, te- there's also a Deep Space Nine episode to that effect where O'Brien, basically, he commits a crime by accident on some planet. So they give him a whole life in prison, a uh, prison life sentence, but it's all in his head. He oh, believes he yeah. lived for a whole life in prison, but he actually didn't. I think there's a Voyager episode that does that too. Yeah, it was one that popped up more than once. Yeah. Uh, but but turning it into a casual video arcade game is kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's one of my favorite episodes. That's yeah, Rick and Morty was yeah, yeah. Rick and Morty did a lot of great stuff. I, I will I'll give it points. It's it did a lot of great <laughs> stuff. Or is doing, I guess, because that's was still on. Say. What do you know? Now all of a sudden, everybody thinks Rick and Morty is canceled. <laughs> Don't worry, that's that's just a hoax. Um, so as far as le- we'll get to that those in a second, but legends, um, from my side of because the- you've talked about some of yours, I'm um, you know, I think I mentioned this before, so I'm going to out myself as a uh, you know a Sasquatch Bigfoot enthusiast. So I do th- I I've always found uh, the whole Bigfoot phenomena fascinating, and so. Because of that, you know, I've read a lot of Bigfoot legends and a lot of Bigfoot tales. Um, there are some that are some some of my favorites. Uh, Ape Canyon is a personal favorite. Um, do you do you remember the story of Ape Canyon, Dan? And Don. <laughs> Which one is that? I'm uh, sorry, my memory overwrite your name. I don't, don't know how, <laughs> how that happened. Um, Ape Canyon's the one where it's a canyon that it doesn't exist anymore because it's just off Mount St. Helens. And about 100, 100, 150 years ago, basically what happened is is these prospectors went out to Ape Canyon, which was, you know, that's what the local... Nat- it was supposed to be a translated version of what the natives called it. They called it Ape Canyon, which of course is weird because why would they call it that? Because there are no monkeys there or apes or whatever, but apparently the natives somehow had a word for it and they said that's what this thing was called. Anyway, and so... Short version is this: These guys were prospecting around. Um, the version I remember, again, this could be overwritten, um, is that there were four of them. One of the prospectors um, went out the one day and he saw a sasquatch, an ape or whatever you know, this ape, this weird ape-like thing. He saw a sasquatch. He shot it, and it. The version I remember is it like fell into the river or fell off a cliff or something like that. It you know it fell down a hill. It basically he shot it. Lost track of it, and then we went racing back to tell the other ones. Oh my God, I shot shot this thing, and there was this. They were basically all staying in this prospectors' cabin that they'd found. They hadn't made this cabin. It was this cabin that was on the edge of the mountain, and uh, it was like nestled in, if I remember right, under a kind of like precipice or something. That that's important because basically that night, the prospectors suddenly discover they're under siege by a whole bunch of these things. Like, these things are lurking around, and they start, like, throwing rocks down from the mountain above onto the, onto the roof of this thing, and they're basically just beating the hell out of the uh, cabin. And they shoot at a couple of these things that are outside the window, and, but, and eventually, after a really horrific night, right out of a horror movie, they, they said, okay, we're going to get, soon, you know, okay, I think they're gone, it's, it's light, let's get the hell out of here and so some of them are like they want to check i think one of them is the trappers then because they want to check their trapper lines or whatever um long story short is is that they go out to grab their stuff and one of them if i recall right dies at least one of them died if i remember right i might be confusing it with another similar bigfoot legend but i remember one of them dying well basically the others they, they basically do the scooby and shaggy you go this way routine and okay. when they find shaggy he's dead and so it's like holy crap, and they and they basically just dump all their stuff and get the hell out of there as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they when they get back to town, the three survivors basically say, "This is all this stuff is. You know, this all this stuff is what happened. You know, we were attacked by Sasquatch by a bunch of these ape creatures." And it's like they didn't have the name Bigfoot or Sasquatch back then. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of my personal favorites, just because it's so darn creepy. Um, right, <laughs> you've got the whole uh, legend of Boggy Creek thing, of course. Right. Which is, um, which was so, uh, which was made famous, I guess, by a literary legend, like a movie. They made a movie, movie about the events that happened during the nineteen seventies. There was kind of a bigfoot craze, especially late nineteen seventies to early nineteen eighties. There was a movie called "Mysterious Monsters" and a couple other documentary films about are these things real? And uh, those made a big impression on me as a kid. Probably, again, one of the reasons why I find it so fascinating. You know, I loved monsters and monster books when I was a kid. Um, But And there have been a number, especially in North America, even though these things have been seen all over the world. There's actually Bigfoot reports in uh, Australia. There's, uh, you know, Bigfoot-like creatures supposedly roaming around in Russia, in China. Um, I've never heard of any in Africa, but I presume Asia, yes. Uh, Africa, there are. There are are? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I forget what they're called they'll be called different things in different places but again yeah. the key point is that I find you know, this idea fascinating and there's all these legends that go along with it do we have any proof uh, beyond the you know beyond the famous uh, Patterson film ironically enough the Patterson <laughs> Gimli film um, Pat, that Patterson being no relation to yours truly um they uh, you know there's not a whole lot of proof there's some weird pictures out there and there's a few things you can find on the internet um, but again, a whole lot of what they call blob squatches where it's Mm. like, well, yes, they film something very, very far away with their cell phone camera that that could be a bear. It could be a Bigfoot could be my cousin, Al. I, you know, guy in a gill suit, who knows what that thing is, right? There's a whole lot of that. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few interesting films, but the key point is, is Bigfoot to me would be a legend. Um, That kind of thing. Um, Same with Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness monster is another one. Although the Loch Ness monster has a, might actually even fall under the next category. In fact, I don't want to believe it does, but there, but mm-hmm. that's where, where it likely leans to. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of I I would say a lot of the paranormal stuff <laughs> falls under the category of legend. Yeah, um, it can, it it can because like you say,
0: it's 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 the proof thing because even Bigfoot. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Boggy Creek. Yeah, yeah. The the movie. It's kind of the the original Blair Witch project pretty much yeah that it was designed as as it's it's fiction
2: mm-hmm.
0: although over the years people have, have have claimed that it actually is based on real, real events sightings yeah mm-hmm. even though the movie is, it is it it was never meant to be a documentary it looks like one right but it was it it is just uh like like a movie it, it's and that's and the same thing with the uh, the the Patterson film. Mm-hmm. uh shoot! Wasn't it a couple years ago they supposedly found
1: the guy who made the suit? There's claims, but no one. There, you could say that there's a lot of people don't believe him. Yeah. Um, part of the problem. Is is that and this is one of the things that keeps coming up is that that suit was made by an incredible. Like that would have to be one of the greatest effects artists of his age, basically managed to make that suit out in the middle of nowhere. It's got so many odd details to it and the way it moves and such. It's just one of those things that it's like some people will claim it's been debunked, but others will, there's an equal number of claims that no, this, that the debunking doesn't make sense. That doesn't work because these other reasons, right? So, but you're right. There are people who claim that they, there were some people that claim they hoaxed it. There were. Yeah. Cause that's that's the thing where where I'm not gonna outright
0: dismiss the idea that it's a hoax because mm-hmm. the problem you run into with any kind of of of, of um fakery mm-hmm. is if somebody knows enough about it to say that, well it does A, B, and C, if that kind of knowledge is is known, it means that somebody who's doing the hoax can know that as well. Mm-hmm. And there's also the chance that you can just be reading things in, like the Patterson footage. It's, it's really weird, but like to me, it's nothing definitive. Like I don't see why that couldn't have been been faked. Yeah. And I don't. There's reports awesome. about well, the spine moves like this, and the boobs bounce like that, and blah. The fact blah. it has boobs is a really weird and interesting one. But okay, yeah. Or, or we've we haven't actually found a legendary monster. We found like in, an early furry, like. <laughs> oh yeah and and that's what i mean like again it's 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 tantalizing either way or <laughs> her but mm-hmm. it's the it's that idea that you still can't definitively put that into the realm of real or fake mm-hmm. it still kind of exists in that strange nether nether realm that where i think like you were saying that's kind of what makes it a legend mm-hmm We can't prove that it's real, but we can't prove that it's fake. So we can't outright call it a hoax, Mm -hmm. but we can't substantiate it enough to say that it's real, in which case it's no longer a legend. It's just a
1: fact. Hmm. Okay. I can see that. Breaks my heart, but yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um. You know, it's it's for me it's more fun to to believe I would admit it's more fun to believe that some, that these creatures are out there somewhere. there or that there's something out there, but who knows? You know, it's one of those things. Um but, but again, that's maybe just a side effect of growing up in the 1970s. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because anybody who's under the age of forty does not realize how prolific that mysterious mysteries type thing was. Mm-hmm.
1: Like books, movies, TV shows. There was so much of it. Yep. And this is before even all those uh, fake docudrama, like uh, Bigfoot Encounters or whatever, shows made for cable TV. This yeah. was way before that. I mean, they did have a few. I mean, there was, oh, what was it? In Search Of, hosted yep. by Leonard Nimoy. And there, I think there were one or two others like that that existed at that time.
0: Yep. Yeah. There, there, there was a lot of movies because I remember... Um... I remember seeing a lot of them in the theaters when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like my folks loved stuff like that too. So I used to go with like my mom and see all the uh, documentaries about UFOs and Bigfoot and stuff. Right. And uh, there it, were a lot. In my
1: case, I was just traumatized. You know, that, that <laughs> as I've told, as Don knows, there's a commercial that exists. I can link to it in the show notes for uh, mysterious monsters. And it has one of those reputable, it basically, you, you, you're hearing about, he's this, dude. You know, Creepy voices talking about the mysterious monster thing. You're seeing the sun set behind like this wood, you know, these woods, and then as the <laughs> sun setting, you hear this, Arr! like I I can't do it justice, but it's basically this is supposed to be a reputed recorded Bigfoot howl, which sounds yeah. really weird and bizarre. And you know, to like seven eight year old me, that was like the creepiest <laughs> thing I had ever seen or heard in my entire life. Um, and. Yeah. So that, uh, and so that, that's, I never saw the movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't think I ever have, but oh, I, it took me years to track down what movie that was for, but it's for mis- the Mysterious Monsters movie. I think it's on, on YouTube. I've had that on disc forever. Should have said something. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's on YouTube, I think. I yeah, think it I, is. I think I actually did watch some, correction. I think I did watch one, some of it years ago. I don't think I ever watched the whole thing. Or if I did, it was so forgettable, I forgot. <laughs> that happens yeah, too. It's,
0: it's segments. Most of those those movies, you get three or four sto- different
1: stories in them. Right. I assume that one to be Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and maybe the Abominable Snowman or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, there's like, there's like three. I think the Loch Ness Monster is one of them. And I can't oh, remember what the other one was. It would be in the 70s. Yeah. So I guess we can use lo- poor, Loch- poor Nessie as a <laughs> uh, segue into hoaxes. And it's funny because that's right at my the top of my list of hoaxes. <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, it was Mysterious Monsters, nineteen seventy five. It's got kind of such a great poster. Like if you see the post, even the poster's creepy as hell. And it talks yeah. about Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, the Yeti, and also psychics and hypnotism. I don't oh, know how yeah. that fits in. And the voice that you're hearing is is uh, looks like Peter Graves. Yeah,
0: because I remember the poster. Because I remember I saw that at the uh, at the old Capitol Theater on Wyandotte oh. when it came out. I remember that. And there's another one that I remember because it was a UFO one mm-hmm. that talked about the uh, the the pilot who supposedly got like shot down by a UFO, and he was in radio contact the whole mm-hmm. time, and that's where he described this thing coming over him and it's making metallic sounds, and then like they lose him. Oh wow, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a known story.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of that one before. Yep, lot lots of weirdness. But again, okay, so all right, let's let's <laughs> let's do Nessie. Uh, I I it's, don't want to, but because that's the one where I do believe there's enough evidence that it was faked.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's, a hoax. it's
1: sorry, folks.
0: Well, yeah, but what happened? Is, it was a hoax, but so many people believed it that it became like a thought wave and became real. Pretty much, yeah. Dunk dun. Actually, because that's the the Nessie thing is one that in the, the last few years they think they may have explanations.
1: Okay, as in a hoax, or as in there's an actual creature, but not what we think it was. As in, it started as a legend. Hmm. It became a hoax. Uh huh.
0: And now it's a real thing, but not what we think of, because they 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 discovered that you get those weird. Um, hmm. They're not. They're not orfish; they're they're eels, but they're yeah. these weird gigantic eels that they they found mm-hmm. get into the lock, and they think that a lot of the sightings were actually people seeing these like weird, creepy, giant eel things. That would make total sense. I hadn't heard that one, but okay, that works. Yeah, yeah, because there was one washed up, mm-hmm. but when they analyzed its stomach contents, it didn't match anything that was anywhere near the lock, and that's what a lot of people. Who don't think that's what it is? Right. Say is that no? That's the hoax because we have this one that it doesn't have any signs of having lived in lock. Somebody probably just dropped it on the beach and then ran away giggling, so that you know we mm-hmm. wouldn't find out the truth that they're they're actually there and they're intelligent and they commune with Tom Hanks every uh, right. every full moon. But but yeah, because the Loch Ness monster, uh, they have reports that go mm-hmm. back to like. 1600s. Say with Bigfoot, actually. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the Loch Ness Monster ones, those reports are different. That it's apparently like uh, amphibious. There's reports mm-hmm. of it coming up on land.
1: Yes, yes, there are. Yeah. Of it coming up and uh, coming up and basically attacking sheep and cows back in like 200 years ago or something. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Because um, the act,
0: mm-hmm. it, it, the actual stuff we
1: know of uh starts in the 1930s, right? Okay. So there are so so as you said, it, there is a real le- there are actual legends that go along with the place and then there are that it may then somebody at some point decided to pull a hoax and that's where the photo of Nessie comes from. That's a hoax. Yeah, there there's a catch
0: before uh 1933. Okay is the uh, first kind of modern reporting, and it was by uh, Aldi McKay. mm mm-hmm. And she reported seeing this 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 thing that matches more of what the modern version of Nessie is. And she never, as I, as I understand it, she never said that she lied. Mm-hmm. But she did make references in an interview in the 80s that she did know about the... Uh, she did know about the legends and such. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if she actually, um, if she was lying or if she saw something and then uh, filled in the legend to ex- using that. It uh, must right. be this thing they used to talk about. Right, yeah. That, okay, could be either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was it was the next year, 1934, with what they call the surgeon's photo, which is, I think, what you're getting at. Yes,
1: yeah. The famous uh, plesiosaur-type photo where you got the neck coming up out of the water and everything like that. Yeah. And that supposedly is a hoax. Um, that that that's what you're looking at a little, well, yeah, device basically just under the water. It's not like that's why it's just the neck, right? It's not like a whole monster or anything like that. Yeah,
0: and that was a supposed. You know what that is? What? It was supposedly made by a guy named Christian Spurling. Hmm. It's a toy submarine that they they he put this thing because I've seen I've seen uh, an interview. Mm-hmm. With a, a guy, oh shoot, I who was like a cousin or I don't think it was like a kid. It, he was like a cousin or something, mm-hmm. and he has it. He showed this thing. It was they bought it at like Woolworths. Oh, okay. And and they did it as a
1: gag because this woman reported seeing something in the lake. Right, right, yeah. yeah well, and I su- did. I saw the picture as a kid and thought, oh my god, there are dinosaurs <laughs> in the lake. Yeah, because supposedly they did it because the year before his
0: father in law claimed to have seen footprints mm-hmm. of of the monster on the beach, and it was it was more or less proven that he had he'd faked him that it was a hoax right right and they decided to do this to mess with people for everybody like pooping on his father in law yeah. for, for the footprints that makes sense that makes total sense yeah, I can see that yeah because hmm. some <laughs> some of the other stuff has been disproven if you remember in the seventies they um they made a big push and they took all kinds of pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of that's been, been disproved. There's one
1: that it's supposedly the face. Right. I do remember it's, that. Yeah, it was taken underwater, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And um, a few years ago, somebody went down there and they it was a tree
1: stump. They brought it up. It's, oh, it's, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or did they? Or dun, did they?
1: You're talking about the one that has like kind of little, um, oh, not horns exactly, but t- kind of these tiny little bumps on its head.
0: Yeah, that it looks like you're looking at it almost straight on. And it's got kind of... It looks like a blunt kind of head like uh the old Apatosaurus is used to be painted with.
1: Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yep, yep. Okay, that is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Again, we'll link in the show notes mm-hmm. if anyone wants to see this. Um, so, okay. And I don't think there's any been many major provable sightings anyway of the Loch Ness monster since then but who knows You know, maybe, as you said maybe there have been some things that are just kind of oarfish or something like large eels for example that are sneaking into the lock. so who knows yeah. um, so what are some other hoaxes that you're fond of uh, a big one is mm. uh, the Amityville horror oh yes yes okay tell the audience about that one because if they're younger they won't remember they won't know this one Oh, they've probably seen one of the uh, 100,000 million movies
0: of it. Right. It recently came up, because um, the whole point is it's, it's this house that in 1974, this guy, what is that? Ronald DeFeo Jr. Kills his whole family. Mm-hmm. And the next family that moves in like a year later was George and Kathy Lutz, plus mm-hmm. their kids, yep. claimed that the house was haunted. Yes. And there there was this idea that that's what made um made the, 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 the first guy there, DeFeo, kill his family. Well, what, I forget which one it was because there's a million of them. But you know there's like true crime TV shows? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did a recent one about that killing in 74. And they actually like interviewed the guy. And he said that, no, that that whole thing about demonic possession and shit, it, it was something his lawyer was pushing at the time. Uh-huh. Trying to go for an insanity defense. Well, anyway... The story gets out of hand and, um, uh, Jay Anson in 1977 writes a novel called the Amityville horror that mm-hmm. becomes a movie in 79. Yes. And the, the, the novel, he's not exactly, he's not really claiming that
1: it really happened, but he's not saying that it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That kind he, of like, he's... kind of like uh, Boggy Creek. Yeah. Ex- oh yeah, Exactly.
0: Now, what's happened is different people investigated the house. He had uh, Dr. Stephen Kaplan Mm -hmm. was the first one that went in. But he got into a big um, fight with the Lutzes because he had made it very clear that if he found it was a hoax, he was going to expose it. Right. Yeah. And apparently that cheesed off the uh, that cheesed off George. Mm hmm. And he kind of gets dismissed in '76. Ed and Lorraine Warren come in and investigate, and they were the ones that were claiming to find like all the um, all the weird paranormal stuff. Uh huh. And Ed and Lorraine Warren are kind of controversial figures. Um, if if you're the the like the Annabelle movies based on a true story, they're the ones. They're the investigators. Uh, they wrote the book The Demonologist back in the day about their paranormal investigating and. Mm-hmm. They're kind of controversial because there's some doubts as to the authenticity of some of their some of the stuff that they're claiming. Mm-hmm. But they did the first investigation of this house, and again, they claimed that there was all kinds of stuff there. Uh, they were the one that talked about like the evil spirits, the red-eyed kid, and the the
2: pig, right. mm-hmm.
0: things like that. And when the movie comes out, a lot of people figured the movie was real. And again, it's one of those things that's, quote-unquote, based on true events.
1: Right. But
0: those true events are basically that somebody's claiming the place was haunted. Mm Mm-hmm. And it gets out of hand, and and it becomes a big thing. There's an In Search Of episode about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And and all kinds of stuff like that. And it's one, as I recall, uh, George died relatively recently and he never said it wasn't an authentic haunting but i think it was kathy that later on kind of refuted and said that it was something that got played up right yeah because when they moved out they moved out like a year or two later the family that moved in afterwards Mm -hmm. they didn't report like nobody after them reported anything happening in the house ever
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and there was a lot of claims that it might have been like a weird publicity stunt or that, because when the uh, when the Lutzes bought it, mm-hmm. they kept like all the furniture and everything in it. They kept the house intact, which is weird for like a murder
1: house kind of thing. It is. That's that's really weird. Yeah.
0: And it's again, it's it's one of those things that it's pretty clear it was a hoax.
1: Right. But it bounces back and forth between hoax and legend. Yeah. Well, again, because so many people are still passing it along, even to this very day.
0: Yeah, and and it, it goes with what you were saying about information, because a lot of people's um, knowledge about it comes from the movie that was that was a movie again. It was it was the Boggy Creek thing, mm-hmm. and from the book, which was a novel. So people's knowledge of this doesn't come, like most people I don't think have checked out the investigations, mm-hmm. they're checking out these f- uh fictions based on a supposed event. So again, that knowledge that keeps it in the realm of legend is extremely suspect to begin with as well
1: exactly yeah and that's one of the problems is people will often cite these news articles that existed to say oh no see this was totally real this happened because journalists back then had standards it's like yeah um hate to break it to you buddy but no no they didn't um yeah (laughs) this, this is the point where we should probably discuss the silly season um okay yeah um so here's the deal in um the summer in back in the news news whatever you know they, it, back in uh, back in the old days and it still happens actually so I shouldn't just say back in the old days, but basically in the summer a lot of journalists go on um, they go on vacation and they believe most people are going on vacation so there's mm-hmm. this interesting phenomenon that happens during mostly July and August in the United States and Canada. Um, where you'll see all these bizarre stories. Like if you're going to see UFO stories and Bigfoot stories and all that, it's almost always in July and August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost always, if in the, it's in the newspaper. And for some reason, all these weird things seem to happen over the over the silly season. And the general thought is, yeah, it's because people are just making things up. <laughs> Basically, they're just filling. The so reporters are all on vacation. They're just filling space. They're just making stuff up. Yeah. And by the way, for those of you who believe, you know, in true journalism, you should also be aware that for most of the 19th century, so basically, what about 1800 to uh, give or take, like the we're, to the time we're getting around to like World War One or such, many newspapers were sold. And we're okay. First of all, many newspapers had a early morning edition, late morning edition, noon edition, early afternoon edition. <laughs> Mid after sometimes mid afternoon edition, uh, late afternoon edition, dinner edition, evening edition, and night edition, and maybe a final edition to go along with that. And so they had, and and also a lot of these newspapers. These are again mostly American and Canadian newspapers. They needed to fill these. They need to have constant stories. And oh, by the way, they were making money based on whether people bought them, often like newsstands or whatever. So they had the most outrageous headlines they could possibly (laughs) come up with because they were all basically clickbait. Yeah. Okay. So they only have so many reporters and they have to generate all this stuff. So 19th century newspapers are absolutely filled with BS, like to incredible degrees. It's it's really, we actually even talked about that briefly. Uh, we were talking about, uh, trust me, I'm lying. Right. The, uh, the author of that talks about that and in great detail, actually, about how the newspapers of the 19th century, many of them, until a guy named Alfred Ox takes over the New York Times and basically says, look, I'm going to print a paper in the New York Times. The New York Times existed before him, but he became the owner editor. And he basically said, look, The newspapers are filled with bullshit. I'm going to charge slightly more for my paper. We're going to have subscriptions. And I'm going to promise you that everything in here is true and real. And unsurprisingly enough, people were willing to pay for non-bullshit. And they (laughs) were willing to subscribe for it. Because they were so desperate to know what was really going on around them that they were totally willing to pay for it. And so the New York Times and Alfred Ox basically established what we think of as modern journalism. Prior to that, it was just the Wild West. It was basically the internet on paper, is what it pretty much was, and <laughs> yeah. including all the worst parts of the internet.
0: That's what I was gonna say, and we've come back full circle. And we've come back are...
1: absolutely full circle all over again, exactly. Now, okay. if you, no, I mean, there's always been what we call tabloid journalism. That's kind of what 19th century journalism was. It was pure tabloid. So you know, again, we, uh, news of the world, weekly world news, that kind of thing where you were they're just like bat boy you know uh, yep. you know and bat boy b- battles ufo bigfoot things like that like like <laughs> that really was papers were like that at one point they were just print whatever crap they could think of so when you get people going oh my god i found a ufo article from like 1859 and they're talking about a ufo that like carpet bombed um Missoula, montana or something like that <laughs> guess what no that's that's complete bs but people will find these things and they don't realize that journalism back then was about as reliable as uh, you know the as 4chan today i mean it really you know not reliable at all don't don't trust it people are just making stuff up and so a lot of it was fiction or one form or another and some of it was copy pasta Were and sometimes they were even writing it as you know fictional articles, they would have a little disclaimer with the article, but then people would remember it as the truth or take it as the truth. You know, there were all kinds of the, or they'd coach it in very vague terms that this might have happened. We we <laughs> heard report, like, you know, we heard a report that this might happen, but you know, did it really happen? And I mean, this is, a, a lot of that still continued even, even up until today. Um, yeah. If you want to see some examples of some of this stuff, there's actually a Reddit group called the Bazaar of the Bazaar. Okay, if you can find the Bazaar of the Bazaar. And it's basically a collection of people who have found like these old articles and scanned them. And these are, uh, for example, uh, Return of Flying Saucers to Headlines follows visual sightings. A detailed newspaper report in the 1952 Washington, D.C. UFO flap. Shower of meat fell from the sky, followed by a li- shower of live frogs. A 1903 account of two highly unusual back to back showers. Um. Let's see. Skyjacker kicked out door to death. <laughs> uh, unexplained phenomenon. UFOs, flying saucers are apparently here to stay. Uh, this is one from 1955. Um, the case for Sasquatch, 1967. This is silly season stuff. If, I bet if I go on the C- case for Sasquatch, I'm going to click on this article right now and let's see if it actually tells me what <laughs> if I can find out when this was published during the year. Um, This is from, again, 1970s. So this is right during the middle of the Mysterious Monsters, you know, flap that's going on. And it looks like this one might have been published. I think this one was published in December. So I'm actually off on that one. But, oh, it was worth a try. Um, Actually, if you
0: want a good example of that going on nowadays, uh, check out how many quote-unquote legitimate news articles eventually get traced back
1: to The Onion. Yeah, there we go. I, I was saying this to Don. What you get is is that you, you get all kinds of people, many of whom English is not their first language or their first co- You know, they may not be from an English culture, and they see an onion article and they don't realize that it's not real, and so that gets shared or passed in like non English news sources as people can kind of read the headline or they translate the headline, but they don't translate the article. Yeah. So that all that kind of stuff plus of course there's people that english is their first language and they still believe the onion anyway yeah because it's it's that idea what they they find will happen is
0: the information gets to be third hand and that's where you kind of lose where it comes from so somebody will read an onion article and they'll they'll find it funny and they'll face plant it to like their uncle like billy and billy will get this and he'll read it and he won't know what the onion is, and he thinks it's real. So yeah. then he'll like put that out to his Facebook group, at which point, and they talked about this too. And uh, trust me, I'm lying. Mm-hmm. That they'll put that out to their group, and what eventually happens is "quote unquote" real journalists. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't not. I'll, I'll I'll dequote that. Actual journalists will see people talking about this. Yep. And then not do the research to find out where the story originates from. And they start using some of these second and third tier tellings of the story as mm-hmm. the reference point, And then it becomes real, even though, you know, the, the, it, it started as an onion article.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Actually, I found one, in the bizarre, of the bizarre, this one, here's an example of this is from 1973. Okay. Three legged monster seen by man twice. I'll read, I'll, it's short, so I'll read it. Enfield, <laughs> Illinois, UPI. Henry McDonnell says he's seen it twice, a gray, hairy, three-legged monster standing tall like a human being with pink reflecting eyes bulging from a huge head. The second time was Sunday morning after his original report on the monster had brought newsmen, police, anthropologists, experts on unidentified flying objects and the just plain curious to the was- Washash River Valley to investigate. McDaniel, a disabled war veteran, said he found footprints covering the woodland areas around his home. The tracks were three to five inches across, with six toes and little hoof marks, he said. Ed Phillips, a pet shop owner from Cascona, Indiana, came out to look around and verified McDaniel's description of the tracks. It couldn't be a hoax, Phillips said. The tracks were hidden under dense bush, as well as in the open, he said. Blaster casts were made. McDaniels says the first time he saw the monster was about 9.30 p.m. the night of April 25th. His family heard a scratching noise at the back door and he went to investigate. When I first saw it, I thought it was an animal. I went back inside the house and got a gun and a flashlight, he said. It was right about five feet from me. I wasn't scared. Then I saw those pink eyes shine at me like a reflector on a car. It had pink eyes, a large head, and was kind of dirtiest gray color, hairy, about four feet or five feet tall standing right in the front of the door on three legs just like a human being human beings have three legs anyway mcdaniel said he shot at the (laughs) monster four
2: times
1: (laughs) if he wasn't scared why was he shooting at it i knew i hit it once he said the monster he said hissed leaped 75 feet in three jumps and disappeared down the railroad tracks near his home sunday morning about 3 p.m um Central time, the barking of his dogs awakened McDaniel, and he opened his door and looked out. He said he saw the same three-legged monster on the railway tracks 75 feet away. Wait, it leaped 75 feet, and he also saw it 75 feet away, huh? Anyway, I wasn't scared, he said. I'd like to have it as a pet and charge for admission. It's something that's here, and we've got to accept it. That's a real newspaper article, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a re- I don't. It doesn't say what article, unfortunately, it doesn't say what paper it's from right um but that's uh you know there actually maybe the uh does that one but you know when it's something to always look for when you see stories like oh it's clipped from the Wyerton daily times Wyerton, uh west virginia 7th may
2: 1973
1: found it hmm. um <laughs> and so that's the wire okay there we go now something to always look for when you see articles like this i learned this a long time ago just a quick reference you'll notice how i caught on to the fact that it it was it leaped 75 feet and it was 75 feet away when you start seeing numbers that are consistent like that that's really strange because their numbers like that shouldn't you know they shouldn't be consistent yeah um and yeah there's a lot of weird stuff like that but you know if you're, if you're like a farmer and you're in 1973, you have no internet or anything, and you're reading this in your local paper, what are you going to think? Besides, if you're in the area, you might know that Henry McDaniels, you know, uh, is, it, you know likes the hooch a little too much. But, uh, <laughs> but um, and by the way, this again, just to prove to you, this is not recent. Okay, how about this? Merman off Brest, France, 1725 newspaper report. 1725. How about that? Hmm. Um let's see. And I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll f I'll find it. And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes because this is a little more complex to read. If you if, when you see it, you'll understand why I say that. Um because the it's even written in old English. Well, here I'll read a little bit of it. Uh London, December 9th. The reader may remember an account of a merman or sea monster seen off at Brest lately and inserted in the foreign and domestic papers about 2 months ago the author of the memoirs de travaux have published a more satisfactory description of it than say than any that has been given in an article from Brest oh, uh, let's see i, tell, I saw, wait Asserted? I can't even read that. By the captain and pilot of the very ship which the monster encountered. Now, you might think, why has Rob suddenly developed a lisp? <laughs> do you know the answer, Don? Yeah, I think I do. Um, the answer, folks, is because back when this was written, there was actually an F and S uh, kind of letter in English. There's this letter in English that it's kind of half F, half S. And they used it for both. We actually split them up later on to monster and monster. Like so, you so if you read something from this period from the 1700s or 1600s, like Shakespeare, for example, if you were to read it in its original language, you'll find these letters that like the what the heck is that? As far as I know, that's how it's pronounced. It's got this. It's it's like we find the fade art. Wait, fade article or fade article? translated from our hands in the <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep it going anyway the point is is that oh, no and, and it goes on I'll, I'll i'll make a point of uh linking to it in the show notes because again just this has been going on for a very long time sorry i don't yeah. believe this article <laughs> let's just put it that way right actually the, those weird letters make you sound like boris karloff yeah they say would they yes they yeah. would um i've got another one for here for 1948 sorry 1845 newspaper article the bunyip and that's Australian, yeah. australian cryptid yep mm-hmm. um and lots of other stuff um at some great ads here anyway the, but bizarre of the bizarre is really entertaining <laughs> um and so and some of them are funny some of them are entertaining um Okay, Wisconsin here's another one Wisconsin, Wild Man 1899. An informational cartoon describing a wild man found in Wisconsin. Sorry, Wisconsin. <laughs> now I'm gonna be doing that for the rest of the night. Uh, again, the um Yeah. Oh by the way, if you ever want to if I have an amusing thing about that FS sound, I think I might have mentioned this before. There's a famous poem called The Flea. I think it was by not John Milton. Oh, was it that wrote the flea i'll link to it in the show notes and it's about the flea it's about this flea um sucking and sucking and sucking and sucking and it's the whole thing is about sucking and um you have to remember the word fuck did exist at that point (laughs) so that they knew it's it's meant to be a play on that that it can be read as sucking it can also be read as fucking um so even people at the time were playing with that idea we're playing with language anyway i'm I'm having way too much fun with that so we'll stop now anyway stop that the point the point is i so again don't trust (laughs) old newspaper reports okay they were filled with all kinds of bizarre stuff literally (laughs) it was like bizarre of the bizarre and many of them are border between a hoax as has been discussed some of them and or or they're basically copy creepy pad they're fiction basically people are writing something that they think will sell a paper you know that will get someone's penny or nickel or dime and that's the whole point of it just to fill space with something that'll make money they don't care if it's real they assume maybe that the audience is uh, smart enough that they actually will know you know that's probably doesn't sound real but all it takes is like little Peter, you know, telling his you know grandmother about this stuff that he read in the paper, and then Granny's passing it on to all her friends in the you know the gossip club around the you know neighborhood windows, and suddenly that's real. Yep, you know there really are wild men in Wisconsin. The one was really <laughs> caught, and then unfortunately he you know unfortunately the corpse was stolen. What was being transported to the Smithsonian Institute, but you know that happens, right? Possibly by Tom Hanks. Uh, he did get around, and he has—he's <laughs> immortal, dun, dun. so there is that. <laughs> um, that's actually another fun one—is the the speaking of immortals. The one my favorite is the idea that Keanu Reeves is immortal. Oh, um, and and people have even found some people have made photographic evidence, but people have also found various real photos of people that look just like Keanu Reeves throughout right. history. <laughs> So, so but that again it's intended to be creepypasta fiction but god knows there's probably people out there who really believe that dude doesn't age yeah well, maybe because he doesn't but that's beside the point that's beside the point um and then people wonder why he doesn't age and the answer is well he's a reptilian so uh, um, they they don't age very fast anyway so we get to creepypasta and fiction mm-hmm. so do you want to give us some examples of that don any others that you want to bring up Oh, there's tons. I think the most famous
0: one of those would be the Necronomicon. The
1: Necronomicon's not real.
0: No, it's not. Damn it!
1: I've, I've got five <laughs> copies right here. I I was hoping to sell them on eBay.
0: <laughs> well, you can, not because I remember in like the uh, early '80s, somebody published the paperback edition, and people thought that was real. They thought that that was a uh, right. That was a an I've actual. Seen it. Yep. Yeah, and and again, it's that idea. Uh, people that don't know H.P. Lovecraft made up the Necronomicon as kind of a uh, like a, a through line to his story. Supposedly, mm-hmm. it's, it's this ancient book written by Abd al-Azrad, the mad Arab, mm-hmm. who knew the truth about the Cthulhu mythos and that and put it in this one giant evil book. And it contains the truth about the universe. And if you just kind of even look at it, you go crazy and nobody has an intact copy. Mm -hmm. and it runs it shows up in a bunch of his different stories to the point that uh back in the day and even into the like modern times like i said in the 80s people Mm -hmm. thought that paperback one was actually you know no not a lot of people uh mostly because yeah mostly because at that point lovecraft was kind of just starting to creep into the public attention
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: through a lot of movies mostly but it was that idea that he wrote about it so often he wrote about it so consistently that people just assumed it must be a real book right and in like the 20s and the 30s and the 40s people were looking for copies of it that they thought that, that this was a real thing
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah i'm sure that kind of thing happens all the time where there are fictional documents or that that people think are real and they're, they're looking for or, or fictional music albums that they're a legend to exist or fictional videos yeah, or fictional PP tapes, you
0: know things like that. <laughs> well, there's there there's a bunch because uh, some of that too ends up falling into the uh, realm of legend. Mm-hmm. That you'll get, like, say, uh, music has 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 a few of these that they'll be supposedly like lost recordings.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, or, lots or, of those. Yep. Yeah, or different versions of of something that somebody did that that it's gone now, and and collectors will look for it. Um, there's a lot of like lost media, right? Uh, people don't realize like, uh, movies, movies, Mm -hmm. TV shows fall into that category because whenever you have a shift in media, certain things don't carry over. And that's, that's why there's like, uh, uh, TV, TV shows or, or, uh, like things that people remember on videotape that never went to disc Mm -hmm. and never went digital because of that. So they're lost, and then some of that will end up in the realm of legend because people will misremember it or not remember quite what it was.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: And then sometimes what you can have happen is they'll misremember it, and then other people who only sort of remember the original thing will misremember that, and then you get these new versions of it. So people are looking for something that doesn't actually exist because that misremembered version of it is the one that people now think was the real one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of thing can definitely happen. And then, of course, you have the fact that a lot of old TV shows are just lost. Yep. they, they don't, We don't have any copies of them. They don't exist because people thought that was just disposable. And so they were literally, they were shown. And then years later, they needed space. So there were fires because a lot of them were printed on things that was super flammable and same with movies and some movie vaults have burnt down. Like some studios have, have literally lost their entire collections of, of movies and films from certain periods, for example, and TV shows from certain periods. Yeah. Uh, and then there's old stuff that was done live and yes, they recorded it often for syndicated broadcast, but again, those recordings were taped over or failed to exist I mean, that's why there's huge chunks of Doctor Who that doesn't exist anymore. We know it existed, but we don't have any copies of it.
0: Yeah, and and some of it, yeah, some of the misremembered. Probably the biggest misremembered thing I can think of is um, Hmm? the original Star Wars movie, the Dewback. Oh, okay. That the Dewback, as I recall, it only appears in the background. In the actual movie, but if you remember the uh the lobby cards, there's a close up of a stormtrooper sitting on one of these things. Oh, that's why everyone remembers that shot. yeah, that scene wasn't actually in the movie, but there are people that claim they remember seeing the movie when it originally came out with mm-hmm. that scene in it
1: right, yeah, 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 but yeah Ooh, the that would make thing total happened. sense, I could believe it,
0: yep. And it's 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 the kind of thing it, it gets um, it gets reinforced because I do th- seem to recall the original version. It is in there. It, it's in the background, and they made a toy of it back mm-hmm. in the day. Oh, well,
1: they made a toy, yeah.
0: So it was there. Yeah, and that picture came out, and that could be why everybody remembers it so solidly. And then that misremembered is that you saw that actually in the film when it wasn't actually in the film.
1: You know where people probably also saw it? I bet it's on the Star Wars trading cards that came out that every kid had.
0: Yeah, because that, the, the, that lobby uh, lobby uh, picture of it mm-hmm. was one of the cards. That's that's one of the famous images. It's, it's kind of a close-up of uh, you're looking up the neck of the dewback with the stormtrooper sitting yep. in the saddle.
1: Yep, yep. I remember that because I had that card. Yeah. Yep. And so that's why everyone remembers it and they would remember it being in the movie but it actually wasn't in the theatrical cut.
0: Yeah, cuz I if if I remember correctly it, it it they they said it didn't look right.
1: Right. Not that moving they, anyway.
0: Yeah, cuz I I can remember seeing pictures of the um, like the skin like the the foam rubber skin for it. Mhm. So they did make it and the, the picture shows they did make something of it. But yeah, that it, it didn't look that that shot wasn't in the actual film. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Makes sense, so I think I think there's another Star Wars one that there's a shot that wasn't in the film that people remember I seem to I don't remember specifically what mm-hmm, but I think there was there was another one of those things that it didn't make the cut, but it existed and then
1: probably in the gain in the trading cards or other so promotional images and then so that's why people remember it yeah that makes sense yeah.
0: Oh, actually,
1: I think I know what it is. It's uh, Biggs.
0: Oh, okay. The scene with uh, Biggs telling Luke that he's leaving. That, as I recall, it was filmed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't in the film. Right. And people remember it because early versions of the story that came out, like, say, the Marvel comic, was based on the script and not the act. The movie wasn't out when they started working the comic because it takes, like, you know, a month Month to do a comic book, so they were Mm -hmm. working off the script. So that scene, those scenes on in in Anchorhead, that with Luke and and uh, Cammy and Fixer and Biggs, Mm -hmm. are in the comic book version. And I seem to recall there were other takes. I think it's in in the novel, but it didn't make it into the film. But people remember having seen it in the film and in the original version.
1: You're also forgetting the radio play version that was done for NPR and broadcast
0: oh yeah is it's in there too isn't it's in it? there yeah it's in there too yeah because biggs is in it luke meets up with him at the end when they're getting ready to attack the death star but you don't know that full story about how luke knows him because those scenes mm-hmm. were supposed to be at the beginning and
1: they they got cut yeah because they felt that the pacing at the beginning wasn't very good and so that's one of the things they got rid of yeah and yeah, which based on some of the versions I've seen based on the original script was probably a good move, actually. Um, yeah, it would, could have been. Would, It would have been nice to have Biggs's scene, though. That would have been nice.
0: Yeah, if if I'm not mistaken, I think they did film that scene where Biggs is saying he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly edited to a usable point. And then when he meets uh, Cami and Fixer, mm-hmm. that scene I think they filmed, but none of the effects or green screen was put in. Right, I think because I can remember kind of seeing parts of it Mm -hmm. because I remember seeing those parts when I was young and thinking it didn't match the the comic book scenes right okay that would make sense yeah and and thinking that was weird because Star Wars is another one the making of Mm -hmm. was a big deal because again it was this huge sci-fi extravaganza nobody had quite done anything to that scale Uh, so when the original came out there was a lot of supplementary stuff that they did, you know, books about the making of it. They did photo novels about behind the scenes. There were interviews. There was a special about the making of it. Um,
2: mm mm-hmm. There was a,
0: I, I think there was a holiday special. I wake up in a cold sweat, something to that effect. Yep, yep, uh, many a, people a, do, yep, yeah, including a, George Lucas. A, a vague memory. So it's also possible that uh, a lot of these background scenes... hmm uh, get worked into your memories of the original version of it. And then that's where
1: some of the mix-up comes in. Uh, well, this is more Mandela effect stuff, really. Um, yeah. We l- l- we should actually be talking about um, actual, you know, fiction at this point. Like stuff that people purposely made up. Because, you know, we've already talked about kind of the Mandela stuff. Although, I agree, this is that's a good one. Um, so, for example, things like Slenderman, we already mentioned. Um, the SCP Foundation stuff yep. is also a, a good one. Um, if for those not familiar, SCP stands for, what is it? Uh, secure, contain, protect, or something to that effect. Yeah. And it's basically this website that exists. Um, well here, I'll, I'll, I'll read the Wikipedia entry because that's probably going to be more accurate than what I'm about to say. Um, hold on one sec. Oh, again, I'll edit this. Um, SCP Foundation. Right. So the SCP Foundation is a fictional organization documented by the collaborative writing wiki project of the same name. Within the website Shared Universe, the Foundation is responsible for capturing and containing various f- f- paranormal, supernatural, and other mysterious phenomena unexplained by mainstream science, known as anom- anomalies or SCPs, while also keeping their existence hidden from the rest of the global society. The real-world website is a community-based it includes elements of many genres, such as horror, science fiction, and urban fantasy. Um, and the wiki itself contains thousands of SCP files, short for Special Containment Procedures, sorry, got that wrong, which are co- confidential quasi-scientific reports that document an SCP project and means to of keeping it contained. Uh, the website also contains Foundation Tales, which are short stories through various characters in the setting of the SCP universe. And the SCP's literary works have been praised for their ability to convey horror through quasi-scientific and academic writing style, as well as maintaining high standards of quality. Um, And there have been many adaptations. And one of the things that's happened is, is this, I I don't know exactly how this was first created or what, what it was. I know many of the first SCP's. This is just my observation, seem to be things like you know, the Ark of the Covenant, or things, you know, things you'd find really from a uh, from movies and TV, and a lot of them are clearly from books and movies and comic books and things like that, right? right. Um But then because there's objects as well, and then there's like living things and creatures, etc. Artifacts, locations. There are locations that are SCP, etc. Um and teams go out to get them. A few examples of contained SCPs. SCP-055 is something that causes anyone who examines it to forget its various characteristics, thus making it indescribable, except in terms of what it is not. (laughs) SCP-087 is a staircase that appears to descend forever. The staircase is inhabited by SCP-087-1, which is described as a face without a mouth, pupil, or nostrils. The sound of a child crying is also omnipresent but the source is unknown descending the stairs has no effect on the cry's volume despite the seemingly originating from the bottom of the stairwell SCP-108 is a Nazi bunker system that is only accessible through a portal found in a woman's nose SCP-294 is a coffee machine that can dispense anything that does or can exist in liquid form SCP-426 is a toaster that can only be referred to in the first person (laughs) (laughs) Um, And people Some of these get really Complex and really detailed Like some of them are more detailed than the Slenderman And and people are putting immense amounts of Effort into the stories behind some of them Right And some of them get really creepy and weird And to the point where Sometimes you'll see references to these things People saying oh no these things are real Right or you know people They kind of work their way off the site Right and um people will be found claim that there's other that these things exist um excuse me there are video games have referenced them a whole bunch of times and of course they've referenced video games and it's popped up in they popped up in music there's actually uh scp abridged is a is, is a um it's translated from japanese but it's a manga comic series that i'm very fond of which basically uh-huh. just goes through the more interesting ones and gives like it puts them in comic form. <laughs> um, so that's actually pretty fun. Uh, there's like there's lots of them. Um, yeah. and the SCP, you know, they're basically there's a the men in black, they're Bureau 13, they're whatever you want to use, right? But uh, it's one of those things, and it's been a source of a lot of creepypasta. And oh, yeah. by the way, creepypasta itself is a whole thing. Um, creepypasta. Uh, Let's read the actual definition of creepypastas. It's already been mentioned, but just in case people don't know. Creepypastas are horror-related legends that have been shared around the internet. It's become a catch-all term for any horror content posted on the internet. These entries include often brief user-generated paranormal stories intended to scare readers. They include gruesome tales of murder, suicide, and otherworldly occurrences. The subject matter of creepypasta varies greatly and can include topics such as ghosts, murder, zombies, hunted television shows, and video games. And they range in lengths from a a paragraph to lengthy multi-part series that can span multimedia. And The Slender Man is, for example, one of the most famous ones of them. Um, there There are a number of other ones. There's some video game creepypasta i oh what's the one video game creepy pasta that's uh there's actually a very famous one that's incredibly creepy about a Godzilla video game oh yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes um that's about it's basically about this Godzilla video game where this that that's basically haunted. Like this guy's playing this haunted video game, where, and the, so suddenly these m- weird monsters that are not part of the game start appearing inside the game, and the game basically starts speaking to the guy who's playing it, and all kinds of weird stuff starts happening. Um, yeah. There's a couple YouTube channels that are actually um, dedicated to uh, creepypasta and spreading them around or telling people about them or whatever. But uh, but yeah, so you know people love ghost stories, right? They're basically like their campfire stories, is what they are for the most part. Yet there are people always who take them a little bit too far and uh, pretend that they're like real.
0: Yeah. Well, there's that, and then it's that idea that um, mm-hmm. when you sort of get past like stuff, like you were saying about the uh, the older papers. Mm -hmm. with their uh their silly season stuff or some of it is outright pranks that was popular then too
1: yep yep that's true that
0: we lose that contest so then we start looking at this stuff and it uh it ends up being uh taken as truth later on because yeah like i say we don't know where it comes from we're kind of jumping into the story halfway through
1: yeah exactly and once something is out there, as we said, it's hard to get it out. It's, in a weird way, I can't, it's, yeah, it's still hard to get it out. Even though it's easier for them to spread these days, it's also harder to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, again, cognitive dissonance and people doubling down, not wanting to admit that they were tricked or many different reasons.
0: Yeah, and because nowadays, especially, they'll proliferate so quickly. Mm-hmm. And kind of two things that happen with that that make them really dig in is it's that idea of numbers Mm -hmm. that because they proliferate so quickly and you see them like everywhere in some cases, it makes them seem more real because well everybody's talking about it, it must be a thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And then the the worst part in the the days of the internet, because information is so readily available, you get uh, this unfortunate thing that, I've referred to as I'm doing my own research on the topic, right? Which generally means I'm looking up articles and giving credence to the ones that say what I already think, with yep. no regard to the origin.
1: Yep, yep, and exactly, and,
0: yeah. And it makes it worse because then it feels like mm-hmm. I've done actual research that I've actually done when I really I haven't because I've again just going to looking one article up on snopes and then Mm -hmm. the eight that my aunt sent me on faceplant that's not real research that that's the beginning of real research
1: well that's the problem right we feel like we're empowered to do real research but yeah even with the internet so often we still aren't like we're better than we were back in like you know, the old, the pre-internet days for our ability to find information, to gather information. But there are still some huge gaps out there that we're simply not. Like, yes, uh, short of, you know, I guess the best way to say it is, like, we can go on Reddit, for example, or places and, like, kind of crowdsource the information. That's great. But if we're stuck in silos, and it also depends on which subreddits or which groups on Facebook we're on or Twitter or whatever, because... At that point, we could get different answers depending on who we're talking to and what what yes. this individual group believes. I mean, you know, What's the group mind consensus on this topic? So yeah. it creates all kinds of problems where we feel we're more informed than ever. But in reality, we may not be. Yeah. Uh, it may just be more confusing and harder to find the truth. And so in <laughs> the end, we kind of shut down and we basically say, yeah, well, I believe what I believe and screw it. That's the way it is yeah
0: yeah and and you run into that um mm-hmm. the the problem it ties in with the uh the trust me i'm lying book yep that and we've mentioned as many times before that nowadays there's plenty of people and organization willing to sell
1: you your own bullshit back to you yep. because that gets them views yep exactly it goes back to the same as the newspapers right the more mm-hmm. clicks the more money they make yeah and and Again, people don't realize if you
0: go back to the like early days of the newspaper, seventeen, eighteen hundreds, even into the nineteen hundreds, most of the newspapers were used as like propaganda sheets for the old rich guy who owned
1: them. Pretty much, yeah. Yep, that's pretty much how it went. All right, so we should probably finish this episode on up. So, um so Don, what can we do to stop this? We like, can't, we're screwed. It's over.
0: Are you being facetious or are you serious? Yeah. I don't even know anymore. Um <laughs> actually one thing I can clear up, mm-hmm. the line isn't Luke, I am your father. It's no, I am your father. Oh, I see. Okay, that's why. Yeah. So and as to like what do we do about this, mm-hmm. man, it it's it's one of them things, it's built into us. It's 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 the idea that human beings have a flight or fight response built in. Mm-hmm. Because when you're like dodging saber toothed tigers and cave bears, that's a really important ability to have. Right. But we're hardwired for that and not fight, flight, or perhaps I should uh look at my options and weigh the consequences here. Mm-hmm. And that's why most of these things we see these problems proliferate and mm-hmm. things like like the internet make it worse because it caters to that. It it it's that idea that Stupid wins because stupid is what we want. It's what we're, we're geared for. It's so hard to go against
1: right. that sort of thing. Right, yeah. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think it it is hard to go against that sometimes. Yeah. Because uh, what we're uh, really fighting with is human nature.
0: Yeah, a great example of that is um, if, you, if you listen to any kind of, I'll use the term, true believer. Mm-hmm that if you're into like say flying saucers or ghosts or bigfoot and you're listening to like podcasts or reading books about people who believe that this is an objective thing Mm -hmm. that they're real in the sense of they're they're really real right yeah that aliens do visit us in flying saucers and stuff in object reality and demonstrable reality Mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll try to stifle the critics by saying that people who don't accept these things are being closed-minded and ascribing to like the old way of thinking mm-hmm. but the problem is if that's your go-to if you're a true believer in all likelihood you're just as closed-minded because you lack the capacity to accept that you might be wrong that maybe this is a mass hallucination that maybe. Mm-hmm the whole ufo thing is some kind of weird psychological effect that we don't know that there are no extraterrestrials Mm -hmm. so even amongst the the areas uh it's not the word i'm looking for even amongst say the people that seem to be open-minded there's still a lot of closed-mindedness it's how we're we're developed and that's why to overcome any of this stuff Mm -hmm. it's next to impossible once it takes root you're you're screwed. Like that's that. once people think that Tom Hanks is eating babies, guess what? You're you're in all likelihood not going to convince a portion of those people it happens. The only reason they're gonna stop believing it is because it leaves the zeitgeist and it doesn't get heard anymore. Mm-hmm. Or they move on to something else, and that just gets kind of pushed into the back of their head. And twenty years, later, they're like, "Remember when we all talked about Tom Hanks eating babies? Oh, good times!" And then that's as deep as it, it'll ever be. It'll ever be scrutinized,
1: probably. And that's probably, yeah, I guess that's all we can hope for, really, in this modern internet age, is that these things basically just kind of fade from the conscious. They simply get replaced by other even worse or equally wacky <laughs> things and that people forget them before they do any damage.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's always been kind of that way. It's just what you get now. And, and I've said this before, the internet hasn't given us anything new. It just gives us impossible amounts of the old. Very true. And that's the problem you get with stuff like this is, is uh, I think we mentioned it before, back in the day, like I remember when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I'd go to conventions and stuff for like weird paranormal crazy shit and you'd have to get pamphlets and get put on mailing lists and get magazines and stuff and it took a very long time but nowadays on the internet whatever dumbass ideas in your head Mm -hmm. you can go online find 10 more people that believe that same thing which reinforces that which causes these whole big effects which makes them undemonstrable i'm not going to call them wrong or lies or fake but undemonstrable ideas take root mm-hmm. and then once that happens it's even harder to 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 take them out because if you believe in especially something conspiratorial mm-hmm. any proof against it is proof of it because it shows that you know they and their disinformation campaign has truly taken root yes it has yep because yep, I, I i thought about that about the uh the covid virus uh vaccine makes you magnetic thing mm-hmm. it doesn't people are like look i can stick my car keys to my tits explain that well it's because people are oily to, and it bugs me because we used to do that when we were kids eh? you're bored in class you'd stick erasers to your head and see who could put them in or you'd put a spoon on the end of your nose it's all that same thing right oh yeah But because people have this idea that they're looking for something that puts them beyond the sheeple and that idea gets out there, it's hard to disroot because I thought about it. Mm -hmm. If you mentioned that you never did that when you were a kid thing, they Mm -hmm. probably don't. If you mentioned the idea that, no, it's because we're greasy. Look, I'll take an eraser and stick it to my head. Half the people that that think that you know the COVID vaccine makes your tits magnetic are going to go... Uh may, maybe we're wrong, but the other half are gonna double right the hell down, and what's gonna happen is no, it's part of th- the conspiracy's been putting metal in erasers for years because world domination. Mm-hmm. Or I'm in on it and I secretly have crazy glue on my forehead or something, and it'll just be another layer, and then like like we were saying, that's how it, it digs in, that each layer digs it in deeper and mm-hmm. In order to dissuade, I'm not going to say disprove, because again, a lot of this you can't prove or disprove either way, but mm-hmm. dissuade people from believing the non-demonstrable gets harder because now I have to break down every single one of those layers to get to the core of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really difficult, especially because
1: nowadays, if I don't want to hear it, I don't have to. Very true. You can, I can g- hide in a bunch of like-minded people who reinforce the bullshit yeah and and
0: like say, if I want the the news, I can get it in whatever flavor I want i can yep. i can I can get any and then it looks like it's reinforcing my perspective
1: because it's telling me what I want to hear right exactly exactly, so just to finish things on up, one of the techniques that I tend to use, having been on the internet for a very long time um and been around you know the paranormal and weird stuff for a very long time, is I tend to just employ Occam's razor. That's like mm. one of my favorite things to do, which is ba- the idea basically that the simplest solution is the most likely to be correct. So therefore, you know, when I look at something and I say, "Yo, look, this person could have seen a ghost or I'm reading a story written by some person about, you know, how their ghost encounter... They could be suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Or <laughs> you know, or maybe they didn't take their meds that day. Which is more likely? And the answer is the carbon monoxide poisoning or the meds are more much more or mental health issues are much more likely. You know, so when people are reporting that I went to a restaurant and there was like a group of people at one of the tables and they all had my face on them, it's like, no, I'm pretty sure you were off your meds that day, or need to be on some um or something because yeah i don't think that was a group of demons that wanted to steal your soul sorry i'm not buying that one and so that's just generally my policy is like whenever possible the most simple solution is probably correct so therefore go with that right um yes that does dent into my belief in giant hairy hominids in the woods i mean you know but whatever (laughs) um (laughs) We all have our little things that we, enjoy. but even most of the Bigfoot stories I read, I I usually most assume that most of them are maybe fabricated or whatever. You know, I like to believe that some of them are real, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it's just you know you can have fun with reality, but I know that in the end, I will probably never know whether Bigfoot is real or not, and it really doesn't matter to me that much. <laughs> yeah, I th- I, th- I think that's probably the. Um...
0: Mm-hmm the 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 best kind of mentality because for me it's demonstrability like mm-hmm. like i say can you show your work can you show that's me true. how you that too you yeah. got and that's not entirely reliable either because the occam's razor thing can sometimes work the other way because you can just say nope go surreal real simple solution and it depends how you frame it off but it's it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a good start and you've accepted that idea that again with the demonstrable thing Mm-hmm. there's things we can't know right and that's where for me like i'll backburner it. i can keep mm-hmm. it in my head but i'm not going to commit to activity either way
1: because right
0: we don't have we can't prove it or disprove it
1: exactly and since we can't prove it or disprove it yeah well there's no point in actually acting on it because it could be wrong so therefore yeah don't worry about it too much yeah. or if you act on it act on the parts we know like i said the demonstrable. Exactly. The parts that are definitely provable and that we can objectively prove are true, to some degree anyway.
0: Yeah, like the example I'd use would be extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. They're a difficult one because if you go objectively, we have absolutely no reason to believe they exist. Right. We have nothing that's that's tangible and demonstrably extraterrestrial, other than meteors, but there doesn't need to be an intelligence behind that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that if you look at it mathematically, we have every reason to believe that extraterrestrials exist. Yep. Because it it's, it's an odds thing that there are so many worlds in, in the universe that the things that conflagrated to eventually down the line lead to us as sentient beings... Mm-hmm those same things can happen in other places. And even if the odds are a bajillion to one, if you've got three bajillion planets out there, mathematically, this should happen three times. There should That's be true. other species. So it's that idea, but you act on it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to join a uh, Econ car and wait for the space brothers to take me away. Cause we don't have that proof, but the concept of exploring space to see if anything's out there makes perfect sense to me. Because again, mm-hmm. while we have no proof, it's not an unreasonable belief to think that there might be other things out there and exploring is how we get that proof.
1: Yep. Mm. Seek out new worlds, new frontiers to boldly go where no man has gone before. Sounds good to me. And on that (laughs) note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Hopefully you found this interesting, entertaining, educational, and you will think about how some things in your life are fact and some things may in fact be fiction. Good night, folks. If you have any, by the way, if you want to leave some of your favorite uh, facts or fiction questions, please drop by the obeythedna.com and um, check out the show notes and for some interesting pictures, article links, and maybe even a picture of Don sticking a spoon to his forehead. <laughs> Good night, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show.